0: Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So, grab a coffee or a tea. In your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation.
1: Hi, Katie. Hi, Claire. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's this week been like? Well, this week, because I can never remember where we
0: left off. Sorry, doll.
1: I know last week we spoke, you've got surgery coming up in the middle of this week on thursday and to prepare for that you've had to come off your meds on trectonib. how has that been for you both coming off the meds and getting yourself mentally physically ready for
0: your surgery when we last spoke yeah had i only seen prof kim once or twice what do you know has happening in surgery what do you know as in the actual procedure. I think you did talk us through it, but I don't think it would be harming to go through it again. Because they've changed their minds. Oh, really? And I don't know if oh, you're up okay. to that. No, we're Sorry, not. I can well, I'm never not, remember. I, I'm not at the changing of the minds. I didn't okay. know about that. Okay, so right. Okay, so I went back to see Prof Kim. So I was very shell-shocked. I was very overwhelmed.
1: Yes, you did. So you had been back to see him, and he said, I deliberately upped the ante on you and, and scared you because oh, I wanted okay. you we to be prepared. Chat. Fine, fine. Sorry, yeah. No, Sorry. I just thought you might, you might have changed the actual procedure. God, I'd forgotten procedure. About that. Don't worry. Mm. Don't worry. I was worried about that.
0: No, didn't... no, it's been a while. It's been a while since we, yeah. since we spoke. So you're right. So I came off the ontrectanib. It's been a week now that I've been off it, mm. and that has been really unnerving. And. It's it's weird because I've been on this like withdrawal. I didn't I didn't expect it. They just took me straight off it. They didn't kind of like wind it down,
1: taper you down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so a couple of days into not taking it, I started to feel like this pain in the muscles behind my eyes when I move my eyes around a lot, or you know look up, look left, look right. And then I started to get really bad pain in all my muscles, Claire. Like really. I feel like I've been running a marathon and weight training. Oh, my Lord. All my muscles really hurt. And then I've got really premenstrual sore boobs. Wow. And it's so... Yeah, it's really strange. Did they give you any idea of, like, what to expect? None. No. But I also don't think they know yeah they don't know how it's going to affect you
1: individually do they no. they
0: also don't have enough patients who they've taken off on trectomid who are going in for an operation that's just not that's what not happens. the norm with it right yeah yeah so that's been really it's like really painful calf muckles so i can't really walk as much as i would normally i'd normally love you know i love walking and i can't it really hurts so and i was groggy and i've been grumpy and i think it's all part of it so that's been kind of weird, but now I feel like I'm coming a bit out of it. So like the eye muscle's not hurting like it was, and I don't feel as tired, don't feel quite as grumpy. Um, Good, so, yeah, it's your lucky day. <laughs> yeah, so that's been interesting. So I have a, it will have been ten days in total, and then I had to do quite a lot of prep for the surgery. Mm. So I had to have more heart checks. I had to get all up to speed with that. And it turns out that my heart is like completely back to normal, including That's the amazing. Membrane.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, I'm really pleased about uh, that. What a relief. So Phew. It's interesting because I had the tests four days free of entrectinib. So like I don't know whether the strength of the heart is back to normal because I was off the entrectinib, but I'm staying on the meds basically. Yeah, Yeah. But the thing that wasn't cancer related was the inflammation and that is back to normal so that's great that I feel really really good about and then I went for my pre-surgery like surgery pre-assessment or whatever Mm -hmm. so you know you go to this like department and they take your bloods and oh it was a right as we say in Yiddish or maybe it's Hebrew it was a right balagan
1: a balagan. I've never even
0: heard that word. A balagan.
1: balagan. What does, that, what does like, that mean? Which kind
0: of means like a big old messy drama. It's just a hoo-ha. I, yeah, yeah, it was a hoo-ha, Claire. And again, it's a reminder to people listening, like manage your stuff, like your medical stuff. You've got to stay on it. Because they booked me 9am for this pre-assessment. And at 9.25, I was going for a PET CT scan. And I'd already said like all the teams are you sure that's going that's to be enough time. time yeah and of course it wasn't enough time so I'm like trying to kind of get everything done for the pre-assessment then I get a phone call from like the nuclear medical department to say look we're going to lose your slot if you don't hurry up but I'd already said like I'd probably be late so then I hadn't had my bloods and I went over to the this department and I said look while you're here take while yeah. you're here getting a can you vein. Just, yeah, you get, get some for the other people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here are the blood forms, if you don't mind just taking them. So she looked at the form, she goes, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. No, we can't do that one. So I was like, why not? No, we're not allowed. So I was like, okay, fine. But once you've done everything, because they put the radioactive dye in, it's that one, yeah, the pet one.
1: So you probably can't go back and have your other
0: bloods done then, can well, you? Well, that's can what you? I thought. I was like, how can you take my blood when I've got this radioactive yeah. stuff in me? And they were like, oh, it's fine. So... I did the usual, which, you know, you sit in a room for an hour and the guy that was kind of doing my questionnaire, bless him, he was so sweet, but he was new. I knew he was new. And he'd said to the nurse, can I watch while you take her blood? And then he kept on, like, forgetting things on the form. So, like i had done all these questionnaires and then, you know, it gets to like the pregnancy bit. Are you pregnant? Could you be pregnant? No, I'm definitely not pregnant. sign it. And then he comes back to me and goes, sorry, I forgot to say, if you're breastfeeding, you're not allowed to breastfeed. So I was like, don't worry. I'm don't not worry, breastfeeding love. either. And then he comes back with another form and he goes, could you fill out which one you are? I am sterilised. I haven't had intercourse in the last, it's like, I was like, look, do I have to say this in any other way? Like, Basically, yeah. I'm not feeling that sexy at the moment, so we yeah. don't have to worry about any of the above.
1: Yeah, just, just a massive <laughs> black pen through the whole thing. But bless him, I can just only imagine increasing levels of timidity and coming up to you and asking those questions,
0: just popping back round. Just just one more, just one more. <laughs> oh, God, God love him. Honestly, so I said, look, when you're done, can you leave the cannula in? Because I have to go back to the original department with, this, with these forms that you wouldn't do. So they were like, yeah, of course. So anyway, I do the scan. And I've already, I already did a little post to say it's cold in there. Whatever mm. the weather outside, it's cold in there. So always dress warm for that. I go back to the pre-assessment and I'm like, guys, guys, they couldn't, they couldn't take all the blood you need. And I know I have to have a few other tests, like an ECG and an MRSA where they swab your underarms and they swab your groin. And
1: Oh, lovely. <laughs> a groin swab. Oh. Nice. I'll come on to that as well. <laughs> on a sweaty day, there's nothing nicer than a groin swab, is there? Weesh okay carry
0: on but again more action than i'm getting yeah i was gonna so. say exactly
1: i'm not i'm not i'm not active at the moment but i did have a groin swab so you know still in, i still got it i still got it but that's
0: what i said to her when she did get round to taking the groin swab it was quite ticklish <laughs> and i was laughing and then she was laughing and i said honestly that is the most excitement i've this, had this, is, this is titillating this is titillating i'm loving it yeah <laughs> Okay, so I go back to this yep. bloody pre-assessment centre. Mm. And I go, look, guys, it's cool. I've still got the cannula in. I asked them to keep it in so you could take the rest of the bloods. No, we cannot take blood from a cannula. What? Okay, have the other arm then. Go on. So she takes bloods. And then she's like, we still need to take your ECG, your MRISA da I said, well, who's going to take the cannula out? She goes, no, you'll have to go back to oh, nuclear Christ. to have them take it out. I said, are you joking? You know, it's the other end of the hospital, so I basically just went up to a different nurse. Like I was going to just, just anyone, just, like, rip it out of my hand or take it out of my arm, Yeah, you know. I was like, please. So she said, I have to call them to ask for their permission. So I said, yeah, go, f- go for it. Anyway, they took that out, and I said to the nurse, because I'd been at the hospital... I left my house at 7.30am, and by this time it was 2.30.
1: Oh, my God, that's such a stent, And I was still it? grumpy,
0: yeah. and I was sore from all this muscle pain, and I just... I said to this woman this hilarious French woman. She said, I'm not a nurse, I'm a healthcare assistant. That's a terrible French accent. (laughs) I said, with a little bit of a French accent, can I go home? Yeah. (laughs) I said, je voudrais aller... à ma maison. (laughs) Ma maison maintenant, s'il vous plaît. I said, please, can I go home now? I said, I'm coming back on Monday for the COVID swab. Can you not do the ECG and the MRSA then? She said, oh, I said, I've been here since 8.30 this morning. She goes, oh, you're so fed up. Of course you can go home. So I went home. I love it. That's so, a very French understanding right there. Of course you're, of course you're fatigued
1: <laughs> by this whole palaver, this whole, what do you call it? A balagan. 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 Okay. Yeah. I've got it. Balagan. Let's look up. Let's look up. Balagan, no, no, balagan, I feel that needs some attention. I can't even begin to decipher where the, or- the etymology of that word. Balagan. Well.
0: I haven't used enough Yiddish on this, I realise. Still time. Is still time. Is is Balagan a word? It's the Russian derived Hebrew word for mess. Mess. There you go. Thank you. So I went back today to have this COVID test and the MRSA and the ECG. Mm-hmm. And I rock up there. Excellent. <laughs> Carry but on. this time she just wants to go home and be with her daughter. It's like, thanks, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, I don't want to be here either. <laughs>
1: Oh, dear. So she wants l- to go
0: home, be with her daughter. Her daughter's got to go back to Nottingham. Then they're going to France together. I mean, literally, I get the whole story. Oh wow, you yeah, get the
1: whole And all, not guy.
0: only that, she's like, I've got to take more bloods. I'm like, what? What are you taking more bloods for? you got all my bloods on Friday. Oh, it's for research. Research department, want your bloods. Well, I don't know anything about that. Oh,
1: my God, wow. I was
0: like, I'm really happy to help research. More than anything, I want to help research. But I do not know anything about this. Can someone they, just flag this me? To me. Yeah. So anyway, she she wrote on the form, Patients refused (laughs) bloods.
2: I still
1: think she's your ally. I still think she's your
2: ally.
0: (laughs) So you weren't aware of that, that your bloods would be going to for research purposes? To be honest, Claire, I think it was a bit of a mix-up. I don't really know. I think... Well, I called my clinical nurse and I said, Look, can you just check you've got all the bloods that you need? Because I had these extra forms. I don't know what they were for. Mm. I'm happy to give research anything they want, but I didn't know anything about it. And she said, Well, if you ticked the research box, you would have met with a research doctor, met with a. And I said, No, I didn't do any of that. So it's obviously a mistake. Don't know. All right. So anyway, had all of that, had the tickly groin. And then. I'm just like I hope when I go for surgery it's a bit better organized than this. <laughs> I
1: know it does give you yeah, palpitations, doesn't it? That you're like
0: how can yeah, but
1: I guess look, I don't know, I don't know how this works, but I just think the volume of people and the 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 the, the amount of I don't know tests that need to get done, I think like scheduling must just go out the window because you can't make allowances for if someone needs an extra 10 minutes to have a chat if they're having a breakdown or if they've got questions. So I imagine things end up just shifting quite a lot.
0: But also what they say, like everyone's experiences, they're really short-staffed. Yes, exactly, that's it. They as well, just don't, it? Have yeah. the, the don't have the manpower. the people. Yeah. While I was there on Friday, I met with an anaesthetist, so not necessarily the one I'll have, and she talked me through what is, what's what's going to happen, basically. Oh.
1: And how was... was that,
0: hearing it? Yeah, it was... I mean, I think it's really good that they prep you for that, actually. And I think, like, you know, I kind of feel like when I wake up from surgery, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna have shitloads of tubes coming out of me, basically. Yeah. yeah. The one that I'm not that excited about is they might put one up my nose. I've got this thing about it going up my nose. As a kind of way to maybe like to feed me. I think that's mm-hmm. what it's for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I just look, I'm not, I'm not going to be like grabbing mirrors, put it like that, taking no. selfies.
1: Yeah, yeah. We won't be having any live from, the, live, from the, live, from the, live from the hospital pictures on the gram. No.
0: Exactly. No. But yes, yeah, so I feel pretty well prepped. I hope they've got everything they need because I'm not going back. Yeah. But then I saw Dr. Newbold and she had my scan results from Friday. So as ever with me, it's not, it's not like nothing's ever that straightforward, is it? So the scan they did on Friday, they can only match it to the scan I had back in March because the one that I had a few months ago was a CT scan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, it, if it's, it shows up slightly different because it's not yeah. like for like. And it, at the same time, the way that it gets reported is not like for like. So, mm-hmm. But what it shows is that it, it shrunk a bit more since the last scan. So that's really good. So she needs to kind of get a bit more detail because they focused a lot on like the chest lung area, Mm -hmm. which shows like a lot of reduction. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. So that's really good. But she obviously wants to know a bit more about what it shows around the neck. And I assume Prof Kim needs to see those. Well, he'll just look at the pictures. That would give Mm -hmm. him a good indication. But that was a real relief because, yeah, listen, it's like everyone talks about, scansiety when they go for a scan but really it's when you get the results yeah that's the scariest yeah. bit yeah 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 like Dinch and I were properly were you bracing yourself anxious we were yeah. really I was like sweaty palms you know he was like ignoring me yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone
1: deals with it differently isn't it and then suddenly you're in the conversation and then suddenly they start speaking and you're like this is what I've been waiting for this is the news
0: yeah yeah yeah, But what's really interesting is like the ontrectinib, which is obviously targeting the ROS1 gene, is really impactful around the chest area and the mm-hmm. lung area. And we know that the ROS1 gene is most common in lung cancer. In yeah. So it seems to be that that's the location that it's really working. Mm-hmm. It's a bit slower, it seems, from the pictures around the neck area. And for the first time today, she actually made the point that it's possible that what's going on in the neck is not necessarily from the ROS1 gene. Oh, really? Yes, that it's more of like the usual type of thyroid cancer there. I don't know. It, I'm, I'm not, again, I get worried when I get into science because I don't think I relate okay. things very well. No, 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 I think you do. And the usual type of thyroid cancer is easier to deal with than like a ROS1 thyroid type of cancer i say usual because it's the hobnail that's still very rare but basically that might be an indication that radioactive iodine could you know have quite a good could nuke that for could you. be quite effective yeah. yeah so that again you know i'm remaining really hopeful it could be that like the entrectinib is really helping with the shrinkage around the kind of lung chest area mm-hmm. diaphragm And that the radioactive iodine will be really effective around the neck, lymph nodes, and the, well, the Mm. thyroid will be out by then. Gosh. Wow. Mad, mad, isn't it, Claire? What a week,
1: mate. It's totally nuts. And you've got a few days now until before you have the, you have the op. And how are you preparing yourself, sort of? And by that, I mean, I know you've done all the medical stuff and you've done all your tests and stuff, but mentally
0: and emotionally, like, I don't know, how are you doing? I found this brilliant pre-surgery meditation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I mentioned to you that I've been doing my own like visualization, but this, this actual meditation really helps. And it is, it's, it's kind of repeating that it's, it says like, I'm now I'm talking, it gets you relaxed. And then it says, now I'm talking to your subconscious and Mm -hmm. you basically kind of, it tells your subconscious to ensure like your tissues are really healthy and your blood is really healthy and that, that's all I can do really is just try and find a connection with my body and kind of talk to it and just mm-hmm. be like, you know, yeah. I think like uh, now that I've, you know, it's been what two or three weeks leading in, I just really want to get it you done. You just get it over and done with. Yeah. 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 Past I really all. want to get it done. Yeah. And I'm telling myself that the pain and the uncomfortableness will be temporary mm. And it's really interesting. I connected with someone on Instagram who was also recently at the Royal Marsden being treated by Prof Kim and Dr. Newbold for thyroid cancer. And she's just had an operation. So she's much further down the line. This is her third operation, her Mm -hmm. first at the Royal Marsden, but her third operation. And, you know, we chatted for an hour, like I've never met her, but it was just like over the phone, did you Zoom or did you? We oh, amazing. I just over the phone and it was just really, really good to talk to someone who's been through it and get some tips from her and she said the same thing, she said by the time you get this close to it, you just want to get it just done. Just done, just get it over, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you know anything about your recovery time, like what that means, what that looks like?
0: Yeah, so I'm checked in for seven nights mm-hmm. and I guess that's the maximum they think I'll need and if I, you know, they'll let me go early if I can and then... Yeah. I've actually thought about getting a nurse to come and be here with me in the day just to kind of help, you know, and to put all that pressure on Dinch. And then um, when they feel like I'm basically, I asked Dr. Newbold today, when do I go for the radioactive iodine? How soon after is that? She said, well, basically, you've got to be able to strip the bed. So once you're well enough to strip the bed. So when you leave the radioactive iodine suite, you leave everything there.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, you leave everything, your the clothes you've been wearing, any magazines, anything you've had. Because so it could all be
1: potentially radioactive.
0: You have to strip your bed.
1: Wow. Yeah. Isn't so that funny? So you need, you need to be strong enough, basically, to... Uh, oh, my God, but that's a difficult task. Undoing a duvet at the best of times is tough for most of us, but, you know, if you've been poorly on top of that... Okay, so really, you have to strip your bed and, like, just, yeah. like... Yeah. I, I guess that's an... I don't know what
0: happens to that stuff. Like, where does it... I mean, go made, in some kind of... You know, like... I don't know. big Bunker. Hole. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's nuts. So, Gosh. I, you know, maybe two or three weeks after. And the question mark remains, do I go back on the near, Like, when? So we okay. don't know. So, yeah, I think I'm like... I think I'm there now. I think I'm there. I'm ready. It's pretty momentous. But it's actually a really good thing that I'm now in a place where I can have the surgery. And, yeah. You know...
1: And the meds have done what they needed to to get you to this stage. So, yeah, that's brilliant. My God, wow. Wow. And we have a special guest on this week's podcast. Now, we've heard from her throughout the entire of these two seasons. And I feel like she's been like this. Your mum, well, it's your mum. I've blown it. I've introduced her too quickly. She's been the silent. I could have built it up more, couldn't I? She's been the silent member of this podcast. I've often felt there were three of us on this podcast. And... Providing much levity and good humour and jokes, intentional sometimes not. But uh, yeah, I spoke to your, <laughs> I spoke to your mum, my mum, your mum. I spoke to Marilyn, your mum, this week, and we had a bit of a chat about what this has been like for her. So over to um, Maz and me. So Marilyn, hello. Um, Hi Claire. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. So. Oh. To everybody that doesn't know, Marilyn is Katie's mum, and we have heard from you in various ways throughout this podcast. I feel like you're like the third person in this podcast. So we've heard your observations, we've heard your thoughts, we've heard your, what we've blended into the podcast as mum jokes, everything from, uh, you know, the donkeys returning to the bakehouse to uh, the NHS. they should-
2: They've come back this year again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: It's sort of like boomerang, these poor donkeys returning to their shack. Like the poor people here, they have to poop outside. That must be terrible. But, you know, donkeys returning to the bakehouse, witch hazel in the... Uh, I EC- felt badly. In, it's okay, in the ECG room. But one of the things that really stayed with me talking about your reaction to Katie's diagnosis was Katie saying that when you found out you really wanted to make her a chicken soup and you were really concerned that you didn't have the right pot and the right utensils to make this in because you guys were going down to the new forest. And it really struck me as a really sort of potent metaphor that, that when we find out that someone is ill, we want to provide medicine of some kind, whether that is support, whether that is, you know, nourishment in the form of soup or, um, you know, time and attention. And we wanted to have you on the podcast because we wanted to find out what this has been like for you as
2: Katie's mum. So how have you been? How how has this been for you? Well, pretty ghastly, to be honest. A nightmare, that's all I can say to us. As a mum, it's interesting. You're very perceptive to pick up on my chicken soup and wanting to provide a medicine because I think the main overall feeling besides being so devastated that this has happened to my daughter to my 43 year old daughter Mm -hmm. and why she got it and why haven't I got it at an Mm, age when I would be getting it and I would give anything to swap that round anything Mm -hmm. but the other overriding emotion is that I can't do anything for her helplessness and as a mum I'm I mean, most mothers probably are used to making things better, you know, from when they were teething to when they were not very well, when they fell over and you rubbed their knee, when you had to give your child cowpole to get rid of a temperature. There was always some way that you could, I, I won't say you, I could help to heal the child. And I feel very, very helpless because there's just nothing Nothing I can can do to make her better. Yeah. So I suppose the first thing I wanted to do was to make the chicken soup to help me feel better that I was doing something, not because I wanted to feel good about it, but because I could then reach out and be doing something that might make her feel a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very normal, very normal reaction to news like this. Is you kind of swing into gear and you and you want to act. You want to act because you want to put into into the world something that could reverse this or help it or support. And how have you? Cause we've been through so many stages now, like Katie's diagnosis and then the waiting for treatment. And and how how has that waiting time been for you as well? Because
2: there was Gosh, diagnosis sweet.
1: and then there's waiting Ugh. for
2: treatment to start. And yeah, I mean the whole episode the whole from diagnosis to today has just turned my world upside down I I I mean you just don't you don't even think that your child is going to be that ill and I still consider her my child of course as adult as she is Yeah. yeah and you know the word cancer however Much people, however many people are cured of cancer, it still has connotations of horror. There's no doubt Mm. about it. That word just gives you nightmares. And the waiting each time, I mean, as bad as it was for her, and I haven't been involved in her visits to hospitals, I haven't been involved a lot in what the doctors have said, except for what she has told me. Mm. But each time there was another period of waiting it was just anguish just Mm. waiting I mean I just felt part of her and I haven't wanted to burden her with my feelings about it and I think that's another dimension of our relationship that's definitely changed through all this because as much as I've wanted to know and be there with her On the other hand, I don't think she's wanted me to be there with her because she hasn't been able to cope with my emotions and it just becomes a burden for her. So my perspective of it is the anguish of waiting, the anguish of knowing and the frustration of trying to sound jolly all the time when she probably knows I'm not really jolly um, and just putting on a bit of an act. But when I'm not with her, you know, it's pretty horrendous.
1: And And how have you supported yourself? Through this, Mm. have you you talked to friends? Have you, yeah, I
2: don't know. Yeah, yeah. How have you? I have had a lot of support. I've got a wonderful hub of friends who have been really as shocked as I've been, and I think have been very empathetic towards me. Mm. And I, they've never failed to ask me how she is. Some people don't even know her; haven't even met her, Mm. but they've inquired, and that's given me a boost. I'm in therapy, not just mm. because of her, but because of various emotional areas of my life at the moment. And therapy um, is just a
1: good thing to do. I think yeah. everybody should do therapy. I don't know how people survive without therapy, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's just me. But, but, no, you're right. You're so, right. therapeutic support has been helpful for you. Yes. As
2: well. Yeah. yeah. And expressing my feelings, expressing talking about it, not hiding. I mean, on, yeah. you know, as you know, Katie has talked about talking with yeah. cancer. She's yeah. been open and honest to everybody. Mm. And I think that's a fantastic way to be, that she can bring it into the outside world. Yeah. And I think just the talking and expressing herself is has an element of, curingness yeah. for her.
1: And I think you're right. Katie is really led by example in so many ways. And leaning into her feelings as well is something that she's not scared of doing, whatever they are. Mm. And I think that's a really yeah, leading by example. It's a real lesson to all of us about how mm. to handle these things. But what you were saying about right, it's changed the dynamic of your relationships. You're very much aware of, of having to kind of step back as a mum role and let Katie manage this in her own way and Feed information into you as and when, rather than you being, I don't know, really intimately involved in it. And that must yeah. be that must be hard to take.
2: It's very difficult because um, we had a great relationship before. We'd laugh. I'd tell her my problems, as she said, "You know, Mum, I'm the daughter, not the mum." And you're talking to me sometimes as if I'm the mum and you're the daughter. Mm. But she's so sensible. Katie is so focused that I could talk to about anything and always get a sensible answer from her mm. and a solution. So very, wise. very aware, very yeah. wise girl. She's got a head on her which is very perceptive and um, very spiritual, very philosophical, able to handle any situation. And I admire always admired that in her. I've always said she she her birthday's in May and mine's in October. She's a Taurian and I'm a Libran. And my very best friend, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, was also a Taurian. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. She was strong-minded, focused, and we Librans, I'm afraid, we're a little bit undecided about things. We're we're looking for the balance. Some people Mm -hmm. think that we are balanced because our sign is scales, but actually we're looking for the balance. And Katie's got that balance. Mm -hmm. And I could go to her, talk about whatever with the problem or just to have a discussion. And she always came up with the right solution and the right answer. And I miss that. I miss her even now helping Mm -hmm. me, telling me, but I mustn't rely on her and I mustn't depend on her because she's got her own emotions to to sort out and my god what a burden that girl's got but she's handling it so well brilliantly.
0: Mm.
1: It's interesting to
2: hear you say burden because we've
1: often talked about what other people have said the gift of cancer and that it very much it can be can be both I know like Katie's looking to find the meaning in all of this like why her why now and also that it's shifted her perspective in life and in in, you know it's changed her day-to-day life Greatly, but it's also, I think, given her a new perspective and a sort of awakening, a different awakening on the, on the world. But I also think when someone gets ill, you are, yeah, everything pivots around them. Yeah, the the world shifts on its axis, and and things are very, very, very different. And I yeah. guess it does change a mother daughter relationship, quite, quite significantly. And just going back to your chicken soup recipe that I know we featured, we featured it at length. I think we read the whole, we had the read the whole thing out. And my favourite line is it, what is it? Nothing in this potage should be al dente, which I feel you need to make a poster of that and like <laughs> start start selling it on Etsy. I think it's so brilliant. What is the ingredient that is the most medicine in chicken soup? I was going to say is it love and time, but it's probably something like good quality chicken.
2: Well, it's you know it's called Jewish penicillin, don't you? I do you? know it's that's called the Jewish other name penicillin. For it and that's yeah. how I regarded it, that it was yeah. Jewish. It was going to be penicillin that was going to make her better. Yeah. Well, my feeling is it's not just the chickens. You put a lot of onions in. I don't know whether I put oh, yes, that in my recipe. Yes. But onions are very healthy and good for you. I mean, some people with IBS can't have onions as it happens. Yep. But nevertheless... It's well documented that onions have a lot of goodness in them and some certain enzyme. I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, I think they're good for garlic and um, onions are really good for cholesterol and things like that, like lowering. Oh, right. And I also remember reading that if you have if babies have a flu, you should put a raw clove of garlic in their sock. Because there's something in
2: there's something <laughs> oh, in and well, the... it would go into their foot, yes, and it will and it'll be absorbed yes, goes, through yes. their
1: feet and through their yeah. through their bodies. So, I don't know what the magic ingredient is in onions, but when Katie and I chop and chop and tail this, I'll find out what it is and I can add it in and say what it is because
2: I don't but know. It should have lots of vegetables. I mean, it's not just the chicken, it's no. all the vegetables, celery, which is healthy, and leeks, and all the carrots, which help you see at night. We yeah. used to be told, um, herbs. And um, and boiling it. Um, I don't know why it was called Jewish penicillin. Maybe it's because the only thing women could make many, many years ago was this chicken soup. And so they assumed that it made... But it's lovely, you know, a hot bowl of soup with lots of vegetables in and maybe a bit of noodles or the little... Dumplings, we call knedler. It's a meal in itself, so yeah. it's you know it's comforting. It's a comfort food. It is a comfort is. food. I've
1: had a friend oh. drop brown some for me when I was really poorly, and I and I did felt like it was a like a reviving elixir. And is there anything else you want to add about what this has been like for you, or your thoughts, or how it's changed your perspective on things, well it's good or bad? My...
2: Well, I mean, I realize that I can't cure it. You know, I mm. didn't cause it. I mustn't beat myself up about it. Mm. I can't control it. I can't control it. I can pray, I can wish, I can read, mm. but I can't control it. Mm. And I can't cure it. I'm mm. I'm I'm not above the doctors. We've got yeah. to put our faith in the medical profession. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning to do, to hand my faith over to hand my confidence over to people who know what they're doing. Mm. I can only I can only be emotional and pray and hope, but there's nothing else I can do. I can't make her better in any way and, at all.
1: And is there, and having gone through this for February, I don't know what that makes it, five months now, is there mm. any advice you'd give to a parent in a similar situation whose child or daughter has been diagnosed with cancer?
2: no honestly there's nothing i can say because each individual is different some people handle it differently some people regard the whole cancer issue differently i mean i'm hoping that i can get to a counseling group where there are other mothers mm. with da- older daughters So it doesn't matter actually they could be young daughters or young sons with cancer I'm looking for a group because I want to be with other people and I want to learn from them and see how they're handling it. I don't know what to say to other people. We're all different. and You know, my only experience is that it's broken my heart, quite frankly. And as a mother, knowing that, you know, your daughter's suffering and I can't bear the fact that she's suffering. But what I'm very happy about, this is not advice from the mothers, I mustn't forget Dinch in all this, that he's been the most fantastic support. And it has taken that responsibility off me. I suppose I'm grateful for that as well, because Mm. I know that he's been there for her. He's sensible, he understands what the doctors are saying. And without him, I mean, just thank God that he's there for her.
1: Yeah, they make a great team. And we spoke with him as well. And that was incredibly moving to hear his perspective as well. And also to get, to get, to get yours and to, to hear from you. I can't imagine what that must be like, as you said, like it's your daughter, it's your child. You don't expect, it doesn't feel like the right order of things. No,
2: definitely not. Yeah.
1: And, and, and also like, I know Katie spent a lot of time down in the new forest, um, with you as well. That's her, that's always been her sort of sanctuary and retreat. And as a friend, it's really lovely to know that she's got that place with you a sort of place away from it all away from treatment in london that she can go to when she needs to
2: well i hope she will come down i mean i've missed her she hasn't been able to make arrangements and they haven't been here very much the last few months but i'm just hoping that she will look at this as a place of convalescence Mm. and peace and tranquility and i i hope that she will come down and, ditch. And, ditch. Yeah, and the lovely. dog. I want to look after her. And the
1: dog. And, and the barking dog. Yes. <laughs> I wish you could take my barking dog as well, but never mind, I have to look after him. That's my penance. Um, I think that's all I wanted to ask you. Oh, unless lovely. there's unless there's anything else you, you want to say?
2: No, I, I just, you know, I hope with all the support she's got, with all the medical support, and I know that you've been a most wonderful friend to her, Claire. I know she's so grateful. and. Your podcasts are brilliant. You're very insightful, and she's very lucky to have such a good friend. I'm very lucky to have of, her. So. Well, you you make a wonderful team, the two oh, of you. Thank you. And honestly, just can't thank you enough for being there for her. Yeah, it's been really a privilege. has out. Thank you. And it's helped me, helped me too. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to
1: do it, because I think by Katie as you said is is willing to sort of bear everything and be so open and honest and that shines a light on things that I don't think people would have thought to have asked or been able to even know they needed to know or wanted to know but Katie is there just giving it giving it all to people and I think that's that's so powerful and well, I you've enabled it too.
2: you you have enabled it and I think that that's shone through very much in in the podcast well originally in the recordings in the podcast now mm yeah, yeah takes awesome. two takes two does to take tango two, as take, they say it does take yes. two to tango well it's been
1: it's been extraordinary so thank you well yeah thank you very much for for joining us and I feel I should get a mum joke from you actually oh, but God, I don't do you do I no it's t- too difficult isn't it I say exactly I should have prepped yes. you I should have prepped you. yes I should have got <laughs> get something four, right. should... no it's <laughs> yes. fine it's fine I don't expect you it's like it's like I you know uh, yeah it's not it's not fair to be asked
2: to perform on the spot and that's not fair
1: but we'll, we'll no doubt we'll, we'll get a joke from you when we insert mm. this in the um,
2: okay. in the actual when program. she's down here i'm sure there'll be lots of funny yeah fine yeah i'll get it i'll, get
1: her, I'll Should, get her to keep a little no- yes. i'll get, her, I'll get to keep a little notebook brilliant well listen thank you very much um for joining us marilyn and um yeah speak to you soon thank you thanks a so
2: lot
0: how was that listening to your mum talk about what this has been like for you kind of surreal I mean a bit like when I listen back to Dinch as well it's kind of surreal I think that you know there's bits that, like I felt heartbroken you know I've said to you before you know it's really hard for the people around me mm. and that came through you know when she said that she's heartbroken and yeah. she said she'd do anything to swap places with me and you know I get that and also you know like the dynamic between us has changed. It has changed. Yeah. And I think that was quite interesting. I think you guys talked about that, maybe not in so mm. many words, but like, I can't be there for her in the same way I used to be. I I don't have that capacity. Yeah. And I think she feels that, you know, and she mm. understands that, but obviously she feels that. So yeah, I feel it was, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of sad to hear some of it. And also, really important to kind of hear it from her perspective I suppose yeah Yeah. what did you think what did you feel talking to her the the words that stayed with me afterwards were
1: she said she the the anguish that she's experienced and that she's heartbroken and again as you said she would give you know she would give anything to trade places with you and that really 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 moved me because I can't imagine what that must be like to be a mum and to watch your child be ill and want to do you know, move heaven and earth to make them well again. You know, because I think that's what, you know, it's just sort of natural mothering, isn't it? To kind of like, you know, tend to a, I don't know, tend to a, a cut thumb or bandage a bandage a knee. And, and you do that, that's your relationship. You make what is not all right better as a mum. And then you come across something and you can't and you're powerless. And so that really, that really stayed with me. And then also what she said about how your relationship has has changed and and I know that talking about relationship dynamics is something that you talked about very early on at the beginning of this podcast, how, you know, so much around you has, has shifted and it and it also made me think about You know when you are ill and you talked about this a lot but like redrawing your boundaries about what you could cope with and what you couldn't to sort of keep a sort of cordon around yourself of like what you'd let in what you'd let in and what you wouldn't and you know it's part of your not journey but part of keeping yourself as well as you can possibly be to create that sort of psychic space and gap between people and and i think that must be a very common thing for people to go through like you said you've reached capacity You'd love to be able to to help people in the way you did, but it's not possible anymore. And then obviously, just getting the full down low on the the chicken soup was uh, one of my very many reasons for for wanting to talk to your your mum. But then realising I should have read up more on on the the power of onions uh, when we were topping and turning this. Great antioxidants and uh, really good for lowering cholesterol. And the chicken bones have a load of glutamine in it, which is really good for your stomach lining. So that is what I've uh, I've
0: learned about well chicken soup, That's so you know, impressive.
1: I, f- I felt I needed to, you know, I felt I needed to add some facts.
0: <laughs> I was just listening back to episode eight, where we, where I read her chicken soup recipe. It's so good. I literally, I just, I love it because it's so her. I know. And you know, that, yeah, that part of your chat where she talks about wanting to do something. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, it's really important. I mean, look, the reason we started doing this podcast, it wasn't a podcast, was it, at the beginning? It was no, an audio. It, wasn't. it was just us chatting, yeah. It was, it was us, us chatting around. so that I could share it because exactly that, like, those relationships, they do change and, and I think it's interesting when you talk about, you know, people, that being quite normal and people needing to put up boundaries, but I don't know if people know that that's something they can do and yes. that they can be okay about that, and I think it's yeah. it's really important to feel okay about doing that, not to worry about, you know, what then goes on above over that wall, like how is yes. the other person? Because you know you're doing it
1: to look after you
0: and look after yourself, and that's got yep. to remain, you know, the the main objective. And if people want to say that that's selfish, or if people want to say that's thoughtless. That's fine. You've got to do yeah, whatever let them, it let takes. let them... What they think is none of your business, you are your business. Like, take care of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. my friend, the guru, always the guru. said to me, I'm always trying to find the balance between compassion and boundary. And it's really mm. hard. <sighs> it's really hard, isn't it? How do you... How do you look after yourself
1: and serve others? And it's really hard because I think, well, it can go... Yeah, I don't
0: know, depending on your makeup. Yeah. You know, for me it's taken cancer <laughs> to really yeah. kind of nail it. So yeah, I think that without wanting to yeah, cause any upset or hurt, that's not the intention. I've just I've had to do that with lot in lots of yeah areas of my life and I think with my mum it's another one, you know, as kind of sad and difficult as that is, like I've had to look after me, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, the fact that she's allowed me to do that mm. is, you know, testament to her really.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Marilyn, for Thanks, coming on the
0: podcast. Thanks, Maz,
1: yeah. for speaking to us. So I'm conscious that like this, we the next time we speak will be post your surgery. So I think I speak for everyone listening to say that we will all be thinking of you very much and wish you a super speedy recovery. Don't even think about smuggling anything out of the nuclear room with you as a memento. That will not be welcome. Leave it all behind. Strip your bed. Leave the mags there. And... Uh, yeah, and we'll speak to you when you're yeah, when you when you're back home. See you on the other side, Claire. See you on the other side, comrade. Yeah. <laughs> love you. Oh, love bye. you. Thank bye you, bye, bye, darling. darling. <laughs> Thank you bye, so bye. much. Thanks for listening to this week's Talking With Cancer. Feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast, Spotify or Google. It could help other people find out about us. and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer.
0: Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you either via our Instagram, which is talking underscore with cancer, or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye.